I have to follow that, really. Just kidding. Good morning, church. Did you guys hear we have a new pastor? Isn't that exciting? It's very exciting. We had the privilege of having dinner with he and Julie and the family this week, Nikki and I and our kids, and just getting to know him a little bit better. And, man, they are so excited to be here. He's like, CJ, I cannot wait for November 14th. He said he's so excited to get involved and start being here and to connect and start shepherding this flock. And, um, again, I just want to say, um, good, she's still here. Can we please honor and give an amazing applause for the leadership and the submissive, sacrificial love of Molly Moore for our fall festival and everything she's here. Everybody up. She very much deserves this. Yes. And the reason it came to mind again, because our pastor Grady was able to be here, but Molly and, and her hubby Dan, Dan's right there with her out there doing stuff at the, you know, the, putting up Scarecrow and hay and all this and working tireless hours and um, just led us so well. And guys, it was an amazing event. I mean, I know most of you were here. I cannot thank you enough from the bottom of my heart. Getting emotional again, just that event was just amazing. And God was here. The gospel was preached. I mean, Grady brought it. I was in there. It was so good to hear his heart. And the Lord giving him ideas. And he came up to me during, he says, CJ, I stole a pumpkin. I'm like, well, first of all, you're senior pastor, so you don't steal anything. It's all yours now anyway. So I said, where'd you get it? He goes, out from the road. Is that okay? I'm like, again, you're the pastor. You don't have to ask me. So he's like, well, God just gave me an idea about sharing the gospel with this pumpkin. I'm like, yes. So the Holy Spirit was already speaking. And it was just a great time. So thank you to everyone in here who was here, who participated, all the teenagers and college students with the cars and other parents and kids and all the faithful ones to do cotton candy and snow cones and the popcorn, obviously, Mr. Bill and Miss Patty leading the way with that. But guys, we did over at least six to 700 snow cones alone, just snow cones. So that just gives you an idea about what God did that night. And it was just amazing. So thank you again. And uh, just so grateful to the Lord for your hearts of love and fellowship and compassion for our community and for the gospel. So, well, as usual, when I get up here, uh, I listened to Greg's sermon. Uh, we had the privilege of going with Seth and Megan this past weekend when I was out of town last week to Ohio and go to the shoe and watch the Buckeyes play. And it was very good and enjoyable and had some incredible Italian food with the roadies. And it was just awesome. But it's always <clears throat> loved to hear the sermon before. You know, I see if the Holy Spirit's stirring anything. What did he say? What did God speak? And so I listened to Greg's sermon. And I think it was on Monday and just to hear what God said in and through him and said, okay, Holy Spirit, I'm open to whatever. I have nothing said. What do you want me to say? We encourage the folks with and some other things. And as usual, when I get up here, what does God do? He starts working. I'm like, here we go again. But on Tuesday, it's a good thing. Remember, conviction is a what? Gift. Thank you, Rob. Rob Slagle champions that. Conviction's a gift, and it's a good thing. And so Tuesday, we hosted a lunch here. Montgomery Baptist Association was celebrating their 135th anniversary. That's pretty amazing for our NBA. And so we had tables set up here, and um, for many of you know, Experiencing God series, the book and the Bible study, Henry Blackaby is the one that wrote it. Well, his son, Rick, was supposed to be here to share. And that morning, he had to go to emergency gallbladder surgery, just out of the blue. I mean, just boom. So there was many pastors and others here, staff people and all, from the association on Tuesday morning, and uh, some of our wonderful ladies helped serve lunch from Martha's place, and it was a wonderful time. And so Rick Fisher... His assistant, Rick's assistant, who works with the ministry, is the one who shared. And God just, again, as he always does, um, the majority of pastors were here. And, you know, even Rick said, it's always hard to teach in front of a group of pastors. Because, <laughs> you know, the mindset is, they taught everything, they may know everything, you know. But God just, again, kept, keeps bringing a foundational truth back. 
time and time again. And he did it again on Tuesday, and it really convicted me and had me start thinking about my walk with him and different things. And it is a foundational truth. Nothing you're going to hear today is new or fresh, but it's something that I think we need to have before ourselves every day as a reminder of what we've been called to and what we're involved in with the, the walk we have with God. And so I want to put a quote up there. This is the first quote slide that Rob will put up. This is what he put up in the beginning. John Piper quote, very familiar to many folks. But it says, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Let me just sit there for a minute. That's, that's it. That's, that's our goal. That's why we're here. That's why we're on this planet. That's why God saves us. That's what his plan was from the beginning, to bring him honor and glory and to enjoy him forever. And then he says, and the chief act of man by which the unity of those two goals is preserved is what? Prayer. And I knew it the second he said it. I'm like, oh, here we go again. And just this aspect of prayer, prayer has many different nuances to it. It has many different expressions, many different facets to it. And so when I saw that quote and took notes and other things that he said, started contemplating that and just praying about it and different things, one common thing he used throughout the whole teaching was he kind of challenged us and said, how often do we park our hearts at the feet of Jesus? And that just really stood. And the whole time, the rest of the thing, he would always say, I want to encourage you today to park your heart. Park your heart. It just kept resounding over and over and over. And as the Lord kept working through that in me this week and praying, Lord, because I didn't think about it at the time. The Lord, I was back there in the booth doing the PowerPoint. And every, as every slide went by, God just kept speaking and obviously convicting and revealing things. And, you know, when we see that, you don't have to put it back up, but the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. But to enjoy someone, to really enjoy someone, you have to what? Know them. Not know of them. Not know some facts about them. Not know some principles and tenets and truths. But you have to know them. And that just really stood out to me. And I really felt like this week as I was praying and considering that in my own life, and everything else that he said regarding prayer and facets of that, he spoke for an hour. Um, it's like the Holy Spirit reminded me of sometimes in Nikki and I in our marriage, and this is going to come up a lot during this, and you'll hear. There's times that we would be together in our 21 years of marriage, which God has been so wonderful and amazing, me having that wonderful lady. But there was times where she would pull me aside, and we'd sit down, and she'd look at me and just, and out of the blue sometimes, and go, How is our relationship? How are we doing? Sometimes she would rate it, you know, from 1 to 10, how do you think we're doing? So what is that putting me in a position of right now? I'm having to really, what, assess our relationship. And guys, when this came up again, it's like the Holy Spirit just said, CJ, how's our relationship? Not what you know of me, not what you study, not what you know of my amazing salvation and the truth you believe that I'm God and I came to set you free, and I came to deliver you, and I was resurrected, and I'm seated at the right hand of the Father, ruling and reigning. How is our relationship? And I really had to just sit a minute and just really think about that. Because so many times, you guys, I think in the, in the church, we get so focused on the stuff we believe, which is all truth and good. That's the foundation of our faith. But I think so many times we get so focused on the faith in, I believe these things and I live my life according to these tenets and principles and things, and my behavior is going to be, you know, flow out of that and truths which have to come from the authority of God's Word. But I think too many times in our lives we truly don't think about and really meditate on the relationship we have with God. Because all of you, I mean, here we would say, we say this all over, when we share our faith, our faith, our religion, is, it's not a religion, it's a what? 
a relationship. And we say that so quickly, and it is absolutely true. You know the, the clearest, most clear, fundamental, foundational reality of eternity? Of eternity is relationship. Did you guys know that? The most foundational reality of all eternity is relationship. Why? Because God himself. We have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit who what? In this supernatural, incomprehensible, cosmic love relationship happened before we ever existed. He always was. Relationships always was. And sometimes we don't take that to heart enough when it comes to the Lord. We do it a lot when it comes to human ones a lot of times. And it's so easy for us to say, well, I have a relationship with God. I'm his daughter. I'm his son. But do we really allow that in amazing reality to be lived out in a very clear, intimate way. And that's what I was convicted about this week. So I just want to encourage you guys in this area, and hopefully getting out early enough, for you maybe even to do today, to practice and to take consideration of the importance of what we've been called to in a relationship with God. And so he really was like him asking me this week, what is the quality of our relationship? Do you really? And we just sung it. And actually, the Holy Spirit was all with you this morning picking these songs out. I mean, we, what are we all just saying? Lord, I desire you what? Above all else. Lord, I look to you for everything. I endure, you know, I, do we really? I mean, I'm not present, do we really? And all of us will say, and I'm the first one. God asked me, I'm like, well, I can do better. Of course, I'm not, I have not arrived. And, but have we really taken to heart and really challenged ourselves and said, how much do we truly desire to want to pursue God intimately? Guys, we have to ask that question because it's the absolute foundation of our faith. Everything we sang today had to do with relationship, not believing a bunch of facts about God, not just believing a bunch of things about the cross and why he came to it. It's about a person, and we have to take that to heart because it affects everything. I literally heard him say this week, CJ, do you desire to be with me? Opposed to what? What's the other word? The battle. From the being and the what? The doing. And I love spiritual discipline books. We've all got them, and the spiritual disciplines are out there, and it's a lot about doing these things, and they're all valid and good, whether it be journaling or fasting or studying and meditating on God's Word, which is imperative. Absolutely. How do we know God? His Word. How do we come to saving faith? Understanding His Word. But how many of you, we've all know, we're around people, we've been in the body of Christ for years, who have so much knowledge about what? The Word, but lack what? No relationship at all. They've got a bunch of head knowledge, which is good, but until it goes to the depth of the point of relationship, what is the point? The relationship is the key. So he asked me that this week, and it was something I really had to battle with. How much do I, in my desires, in this relationship, desire to just be with him? And so he brought up one aspect of a spiritual discipline, which is prayer. We just quoted it. But in the midst of prayer, there are different facets. There's intercession, petition, supplication, all these things. What I want to submit to you in this, and what I really believe God wants to encourage you with, and please, everything you hear from me this morning, I pray, because he's just, I've experienced God's heart this week. Is God's heart for you. His fatherly, brotherly, friend, Lord, Savior, loving heart for each and every one of you. Not as doing, but as being. And I want you to sense that and see that. And to encourage you this morning, in this aspect of contemplative prayer, that we come before the Lord in solitude and sometimes in silence to experience his presence in a way that maybe some of you in this room may have never experienced before. 
I don't know where you guys are in your walks with the Lord, how long you've been I have no doubt there are some in here that have seen this, that have walked this out, that have experienced the value of his relationship, and you do it daily and faithfully. But I would probably suggest there's many in here that have no idea, have never experienced it to this degree. And it's so important because everything we sang this morning is contingent on this relationship and how we approach him. Kenneth Boa, one of my favorite books I've taught out of before, and we've gone through it many years in the past, called Conform to His Image. He's a theologian and teacher out of Atlanta. He says this. He quotes Psalm 46 and Isaiah 30, and he says, The Lord has told us to cease striving. And what? Know that I am God. Other translations say what? Be still. Rest. In Isaiah 30, he says, In repentance and rest you will be saved in quietness and trust in your strength. He goes on to say, many of us suffer from the delusion that activity and accomplishments, size and hubbub endear us to God and confirm his blessing. Although it runs against the grain of our surrounding culture, we must learn to practice the art of stillness, of quietness, of listening, and of receiving if we desire to be intimate with God. So I'm going to lay that question before you as I continue on. Do you truly, and ask God the tough question in your heart, do you truly desire to be intimate with God, with your Lord, with Jesus? And that has a lot to it, but just put that, just think about that. What you know that word means, intimacy. Because it takes time and loving attention to sustain a quality relationship, but it says, the Lord is more interested in our presence with him than our performance for him. Let me say that again. I think that is so, such a very encouraging statement. That the Lord is more interested in our presence with him than in our performance for him. And why is that so true? What, it's a cause and effect. As we are in his presence and experiencing that, we're going to see more in the depth. So what is the outflow of that? Sacrificial love, service, being with God, and, and walking out in his ways, and not performing in a sense, but displaying the beauty of who he is to a lost and dying world. I love this quote. It goes on to say, while we come to love God by knowing him, is that true? We come to love God by knowing him. It is just as true that we come to know God by what? Loving him. Both are true. Contemplative prayer seeks to apprehend God through love and faith in such a way that our theology is not merely speculative, but it's lived. There is a true intimate cause and effect as we apprehend God, as we pursue him and seek after him in love and in faith. Put up the, um, oh yeah, first example I want to show you, the not first scripture you'll do. But guys, obviously, who's the perfect example of showing us the value of relationship? Jesus himself. I mean, we just got to go. It's so fundamental, but guys, it's something that I think we struggle with the most. Because even right now, as I'm saying all this, the flesh right now in all of you and in me is what? Going nuts. Because it contradicts everything we want to do in our flesh. Everything I'm talking about right now, the battle is on. <laughs> is it not? It is. But there's beauty in this and joy and excitement and value in, in the beauty of what we're about to see. Jesus many times, I'm going to go Mark 135, it said Jesus went in the early morning and went to a secluded place to pray. Luke 5:16, Jesus slipped away in the wilderness to pray with the Father. Matthew 14:23, Jesus went up on the mountain by himself to pray. You know, for a long time we see this and we're like, well, you know, okay. 
But have you guys really thought about the true reality of that? Jesus is the God-man, correct? Fully human, yet what? Fully God. And just seeing the importance of this, that Jesus, the human, the God-man, not just not only needed to be with God, he want, there was a relationship that was there from what? Eternity past. But he was still a human being. I love Hebrews 5, 8, 9. It says, although he, Jesus, was a son, capital S, meaning what? Deity. Although he, Jesus, was a son, he learned obedience. You guys keep forgetting. Somehow we forget about that verse. The God-man learned obedience from the things which he suffered. And knowing, excuse me, and having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of, of eternal salvation. And Jesus said, a part of us coming to, he said in Matthew 11, what? Come to me, all who are what? Weary and heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Because Jesus himself experienced that with the Father. I mean, we just look to Jesus. We don't have to go anywhere else in Scripture. Just look to our precious Lord himself for us to see the importance and value of the foundational truth of relationship. And not just one an acquaintance of a relationship, but deep intimacy that the Father has called us to. And we see that come to a head where? In the garden, right? Jesus came to the apostles and said, come pray with me. He said, I, my soul is grieved to the point of what? Death. He was so grieved, and there he knew he had to go to the source. Source of life and hope and purpose and comfort to be with his Father. Jesus himself understood, I had to park my heart at the feet of my Father throughout his life and ministry. So just looking at that, go to the scriptures up here. I wanted you to see God's heart now through scripture, just a few. And this one comes from, uh, obviously, from David, many of these songs I'm going to look at. But I'll, what I want you to see in this is through David's heart of crying out to the Lord, of then God's heart in response in some of these scriptures. And here he says, One thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice and be gracious to me and answer me. When you said, when God said, David said, God, when you said to me, seek my face, my heart then said to you, your face, O Lord, I shall seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servants away in anger. What I love about that, when he first mentioned about dwelling in the house of the Lord, about meditating in the temple, what was he actually saying? To dwell somewhere, the word is what? You abide. You rest there. To meditate in the temple means you sit, you, your thoughts go towards something, you cultivate the time, you meditate. And the temple in the Old Testament represented what? God's presence. Just singing David's heart here. Put those to the next slide up. This was another quote he put up. Here's what God desired. Do we seek the face of God before the hand of God? I just want that to sit there a minute. Because, guys, I'm right here. All, everything you're saying today is what God just really wanted to minister to my heart this week and just to, to challenge me, encourage me to bring his heart perspective back into my life as a refresher. God's face represents his person and presence. And obviously God's hand represents his provision. But that's what David was seeking. What did God say about David? He was what? The man after his own heart, correct? And what did he do? Murder, adultery, some of the most, quote-unquote, big gun sins we would put out there, right? 
But why would then God say he's the man after his own heart? Because of what we just read. He's a man who sought the face of God. Have you ever, I mean, I've never done it. Have you ever expressed and said, Lord, I want to see your beauty? I mean, is that something we think about? That we want to experience to see the beauty of the Lord? I think that should be a part of our hearts. I think it's something we should pursue and think about, at least to contemplate. Next slide, Rob. This is a quote by a guy named Henderson. If all I seek is God's hand, I may miss his face. But if I seek his face, he will open his hand and satisfy the deepest desires of my heart. Now, here's the beauty of this. That's not a prosperity quote. It's not, because if you really look at it, you'll see why. If we seek his face and we sit before his presence, we're going to understand and know his what? His heart. And when we know his heart and we see our heart and the difference, we're going to embrace what? His heart. So then our desires will be, be from what? His desires. So when his desires become our desires, then he will go, yes, I'm ready to satisfy those through this intimate relationship with you. Go to the next Psalm 116. The psalmist says, I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my supplications. He's attributing his emotional love because he knows God listens. He knows God desires to communicate with him. Because he has inclined his ear to me, therefore I shall call upon him as long as I live. Then you will call upon me. Very popular scripture we all know. You will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with what? All your heart. Guys, that's the key phrase. All your heart. And that's what my dad always called this God's telephone number when I was a kid. What's God's telephone number? Jeremiah 33.3. Because it says, here's the beginning. Look at the statement. Thus says the Lord who what? Made the earth. The God of the universe is making the statement. Thus says the Lord who made the earth, the Lord who formed it to establish it. The Lord is his name. And what does he say? Call to me and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. Guys, have you ever meditate on the fact that the God of the universe is saying, call. I desire to meet with you. I desire to sit with you. I desire to communicate with you. I desire to be intimate with you. The God who made it all. I mean, just think about that a minute. Sometimes we need to have those wow moments that I've said in the past. We need to read scriptures and read things like this and go, man, I, I forget about those things. I don't understand some of those things. I miss that sometimes. God wants to reveal himself in such a special, pure, intimate way to us. It starts where? In his word. We go to his word. Hear me. Everything about this does not negate the power and authority of his inerrant word. That we go there. It starts there. But beyond that, we have to have a relationship that takes time and intimacy beyond just sitting there reading some pages. They go hand in hand together, you guys. It reminded me of what um, Greg mentioned last week in James 3. How do we experience God's wisdom in a fresh new way sometimes to reveal things to us? To apply his wisdom in our lives, which is pure and peaceable and gentle and reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits. What we're saying today, break every chain. You know how sometimes where that takes place? In those intimate moments with God, one-on-one, crying out for mercy and hell, God shows up, reveals things, does his work. That's where it happens. But if we don't take the time to see the importance and the value in it, when are we going to experience that at times? 
It's so important for us to look there. I love this example in the New Testament. So foundational, we taught it in so many different ways. Luke chapter 10. Now as they were traveling along, he, Jesus, entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary, who was seated where? At the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. Very profound. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. Look at this. But only one thing is what? She didn't just say one thing else is added or there's some other things. One thing is what? Necessary. That's a key word. It's so important to get this. Only one thing is necessary. For Mary has not chosen the good, for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Obviously, it's good to serve. What Martha was doing, there's nothing wrong with what Martha was doing. But what Jesus was saying is what is necessary, what is of most importance, is what? To park your heart. To have those moments, to be at the feet of Jesus, to listen, to embrace, to worship, to be in his presence. I mean, guys, it's so obvious, it's so practical. Every one of us in this room is in a relationship, one way or another. And the only way for the, our relationships that you're in and the people you're sitting next to you right now, friends, husband, wife, girlfriends, boyfriends, moms, dads, sisters, brothers, whatever, the only way you know each other and go deep into relationship is time and communication and love and sharing and being together. It doesn't happen any other way. So if we see the importance and value of that with humans and with those that we have on earth, where's the disconnect? And I've been there of us not seeing the importance to be with the God of the universe. Who every single day, you guys, is... What's he doing every day? He's knocking. Every single day, he's knocking and desires that of us. Isn't that... That's why I want you to hear his heart. He desires that, to be with you, one-on-one. I mean, I was just contemplating that this week, just thinking how... Sitting out and looking at the trees and driving through, thinking the God who made all of this desires to just hang out with CJ, his son. Well, guys, we have to think about that. Because if we don't, we're going to get wrapped up in our everyday schedules and lives of the hubbub of what he said, the everyday stuff, and miss out on this relationship. And we need to see the importance and the value of that. Very practical thing before I close, just a couple things, just to give you from my heart and what I've experienced in this. I hope you guys see, just from Jesus himself, and through some of the script, that this is important to God. Can we all shake our heads at yes? Please? I mean, that's the start. If you don't even see the relationship's important, or my faith has, I can believe some things, and know God's there, and I'm his son, and yes, I'm saved, and I believe these things, but that God doesn't care about depth of relationship, then there's no reason to listen to anything else. There's no point to even really being here. Because it's all about relationship. Because then, the world out there needs to see this relationship. That is the point. And we need to see the importance and the value of our time being his time and investing into that. And guys, we've all blown it. I mean, that's a struggle for all of us because we have a flesh. But practically, even when Nikki and I were young parents, there were times we would come in and she goes, Okay, CJ, you got the kids. I'm going on a date with Jesus. That's what he would say. You guys do know that Jesus wants to date you. 
There's nothing wrong with saying that. He wants to court you. He wants to lavish his love on you. He wants to tell you sweet nothings to a man. Because that's the God he is. He loves you. He wants to let you know how he loves you and who he is and what he's done for you more and what he wants to reveal himself to you and enjoy being with you and vice versa and having dialogue. So there was times they could come in and then she'd come in and we tag team and I'm gone and she's got the kids. We would just plan those things out at times. You have to do that. There's nothing wrong with that. Because what did that show God? We valued the relationship. We showed him how important it was to be with him, even with young kids, that we would help each other out. And as the kids get older, not teenagers, that makes it much easier. You know, you go to your room, you go to your room, you go to your room, you know. But guys, we have to see the importance of that. And guys, this is so foundational, but it is the most critical. This is the most important thing about our walk with God, is we see relationship rightly and how important it is to him. So when I do come before the Lord in these moments, and what did he say in Matthew 6? The apostles came up and said, Jesus, teach us how to what? Pray. He said, now don't be like the hypocrites who stand in the synagogue and get on their soapbox and do these long, drawn-out prayers because they were operating in what? Pride. It's not saying we don't ever pray. We accepted it up here. I mean, it's biblical what we do every week. Absolutely. In humility, we cry out to God for his mercy, grace, and we adore him and rejoice. But these guys are doing it out of pride and self-righteousness. So what did he tell them to do? Go to your inner room. Close the door and be in that secret place with your father. And guys, he desires that of us. We have to do this. This is not a do. This is a be. For us to walk in the spirit, to be effective for the kingdom of God, to be salt and light, the ambassadors were called to be, guys. We have to go to our inner room. And I know many of you already do this. You've encouraged me by talking to you about this and being faithful at it and engaging with the Lord in relationship consistently. But just in practical things, when I've done this at times, even this week, saying, okay, Lord, you've convicted me again. I'm going to sit in my inner room, whether it be my recliner or outside or whatever, and I'm just going to be. And guys, it's what? Hard. It is. Because what's already starting to go? This. Mind's racing. This, that. Issues. Church stuff. This, that. And the Lord's just like, no, no. Shh. I'll quiet this. And the first thing you do, hear me, you can't do this on your own. First fact, this cannot happen just with you. You have to cry out for God for what? Help. <laughs> just like the guy cried out, and, you know, God, help me in my unbelief for my demon-possessed son. We have to cry out, God, help me with my lack of desire. That's a valid, it's okay. Help me with my lack of desire to want to be with you. But I know, here, I know I need to be. I know I need to be desiring. I know I need to be intimate with you. I see the value of it, the importance that it is your heart to be with CJ. It's your heart to be with your son, to sit in his presence and be together. And so that's the first prayer. God, help me right now. Come, quiet my soul, quiet my mind, to focus and fixate on you, the God of the universe, who desires to sit across from me one-on-one and be intimate with me. Guys, that's amazing. So what we, I do, just for CJ, is I start with an aspect of prayer, and we always need to start where? Vertical. And that's adoration and declaration and proclamation of who he is. And I'll throw out two psalms. Psalm 103, Psalm 145. Get them in you. Psalm 103, Psalm 145. These two scriptures, you just go, because God loves hearing about himself. Y'all know that? That's why he's glorified. That he's a God who heals, who pardons, whose loving kindness is everlasting and compassion. You start declaring back to God who he is. 
and rest and time and quiet. And after that moment, when your hearts are engaged and you see God for who He is and you're in that moment of just glory and experience His presence, it obviously reveals what in your own life? Oops, there's a big gap there. (laughs) I see who He is. I understand that fully. And now I see my yuck. So then we go to what? Confession. Now, I'm not giving you an order. There's no, but I always go vertical. But God may be working some other things out. You get into thanksgiving and gratefulness and just saying, God, thank you for this and thank you for this. Who you are, what you've done, all these things. But at some point, it's very clear you've got to do business because there's scriptures. I didn't find them all. Just like David said there, what? Do not hide your what? Face from me. There's other scriptures that if you don't do business and get yourself clean, he will not hear you. It'll go as high as that ceiling and maybe lower. So we do business. And so you cry out things like Psalm 26. All these are David's psalms. Psalm 26, 2. Examine me, O Lord. Test my mind and my heart. David's in 139, one of my favorite chapters in all of the Bible. Psalm 139, 23 and 24. He says what? Search my heart. Try me. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any hurtful way in me. And lead me in what? The everlasting way. Reveal stuff. Psalm 51, 10. Create in me a what? Clean heart. And renew a right spirit within me. These are things you pray out. You find scripture. You declare those things. God, cleanse me. Examine my heart. If there's anything that's going to get between you and me in this fellowship time, because how many times we've all done it? We've been on dates with our spouses. We've been on dates with our girlfriends, boyfriends, or family members. And if there's something in between you, how much fun is that date? There's no date. It's not fun at all. You're looking at each other. You eat your meal in silence. You know, it's like there's, you've got to do business first before there can be that amazing two-way communication that God wants to enjoy. And then at that point, you just sit. And sometimes, guys, we've got to be silent before a holy God and give him the opportunity to reveal himself in a special way. And right there is where it's like, oh, that's hard for every single person in here. It's hard for a human being to sit in quiet with everything that is going on in our minds. But the God of the universe is willing and able to meet us there and to help us through that process. I promise you. And I want to speak something really quickly to the, to the teenagers and college guys. Teenagers, I'll look up here. Yeah, this isn't beyond your scope right now. It's like, oh, I'll get to that later. When I, get, you know, when I reach 18, 16, 17, I'll, I'll wait on this type of stuff. But guys, some of the most intimate times I've ever had with my Jesus. Just unbelievable, thick presence where I thought I had to just fall on the floor was at your age. Doing this, crying out to God, spending some time, putting down my... Put down your phone, your iPad, your games, your TV, remote, all that. Sit. Be with God. I know Drew put this in you guys. I know he challenges you all with all the time. Please see the importance of this. And then once you reach this age group, and I know many of them are doing that, because, but see, your all schedules are going to change in a few years. You're going to get married, possibly, or your jobs and careers and all this, and you're going to look at this and go, ooh, where's the time for God? Truly, you're going to say, where is the time? And if you start cultivating this, relate, hear me, not doing the disciplines well, but you start cultivating this relationship well, then when you get to our age, it's going to be what? A lot easier because, man, you're in it. That relationship will govern and rule and guide your life. So take the time to park your heart at Jesus' feet. Please, at your age. I've experienced it at your age. I know the reality of it. And there's nothing like it. God will speak to you. He'll reveal himself to you. You will feel and know his presence is there without a doubt. And leading into the college group, same thing. Y'all got studies. You've got this. I know you guys, are, your schedules are nuts. 
You have to find the time. I know what goes on at the BCM, so you can't hide anything. I know y'all hang, make your coffee, play your games, play your pool, your ping pong. It's great stuff. That's good. You hang out, but man, sit in the back. Get on campus somewhere. Go under those trees. I spent four years on a campus. There's some secluded spots. Go park your heart with Jesus somewhere. And I promise you this too. It helped my grades. <laughs> it helped my studying because the Lord was there. I took the time. He's like, you know what? I got this with you. Bring things to mind. I just want you to see the value in it for all of us. Because all of us, the older ones, right? we know the struggle to find the time to park our heart before the Lord. So, God, I hope you heard God's heart today because, man, he just rattled me this week. The importance of this, he desires to be with you. He wants to be with you. He's worthy of it. Y'all see that? He is worthy of it. He's worthy of my time more than Nikki's worthy of my time. She knows that. I mean, my wife's faithful in that. We both find the times. We get away. She's faithful in the morning. I know when I get up sometimes, I see her in there. I know she's having a date with Jesus. She's loving on He's her first love, not me. That's why I married her, because I knew that's the kind of woman she was. She fell in love with Jesus long before CJ. And that's why when I said that, that's the kind of woman I want to be married to and share life together, co-labor together for the kingdom, because we see the importance of relationship. So I pray this today. I'm going to challenge you, as one of your shepherds here, to find a time today to park your heart. A beautiful Sunday day to rest in the Lord. And I know right now there's probably a thousand things we've all got on our plate, studying, kids, laundry, this, that, football, my Steelers are on today. You know, there's stuff, but there's stuff. So I want to encourage you, take this before the Lord as the worship team comes up, to ask the Lord, first of all, to the Lord, how is our relationship? How are we doing? Not in all the things I believe and know of you, but how are we doing one-on-one? Ask him that. And get ready for an honest answer. (laughs) And then to say, Lord, help me today. You help me today find a period of time to desire to be intimate with you. And just sit and rest. Because, guys, honestly, we have to relate with each other every day, right? As humans, if Nikki and I don't communicate and relate every day, how is our marriage going to be? Not very good. So same goes with the Lord. He desires that intimacy every single day. And the beauty of it is this is what he desires. He longs for this for us. This is not a message of condemnation. This is a message of invitation to say, come be with him and enjoy his presence in a fresh way this week. Let's stand. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. And I do, Lord, I ask in Jesus' name, there is no condemnation in this. God, you are good and gracious and loving. As we sang this morning, you're our shield, our rock, our strong tower. You're our portion. You're our everything as we say. And God, the only way we can experience that fully, and I mean fully, is by being with you intimately, in your presence, time, valuing that, seeing the importance of our relationship to take it deeper and deeper. So God, I pray for all of us in here that you would convict our hearts, bring revelation and enlightenment, how much you love us, how much you desire to be with us, how much you desire for us to park our hearts before you. God, we thank you that you have called us to yourself. That you said, come. You told us. You, the God of the universe, told us, measly little humans, to come. And we will find rest in you. We thank you for your salvation, for your death, the resurrection, for your ascension, your rule and reign, God. That we can experience that. 
So as this, we sing during this song, just ask the Lord. Just say, God, how are we doing? If you need to come to the altar to, to kind of communicate and make it a, an act, that's great. Whatever you need to do to meet with Jesus. Do that this morning.